everybody. How are we doing today? Good to see you guys. Hey, uh, before I get started, I just want to take a second. I, as I was here, you know, pretty early this morning, and obviously the worship team was here getting ready, and a lot of our serve team people started to show up. And uh, if I'm just being totally honest, our, a lot of our teams, our serve teams, um, have dwindled significantly during the season. And, uh, but there is a, there's a group of them that just show up week after week after week after week and have been so faithful. And we, don't, we can't do these services without these people. So if you don't mind, can we give them a hand? I just appreciate them so much. Our production guys back in the booth, everybody that's working over in the hallways so your kids have children's church. Uh, I'm just really, really thankful for all those folks. Uh, this weekend, we're going we're gonna to talk about something that happens naturally to every single believer at one point or another. Persecution, being harassed, belittled, bullied, whatever you want to call it. Uh, I think if the, the word says that this is something that believers, all of us, at one point or another, uh, will probably face. We will face it. And so I think that this is going to be a really helpful message for those of you that are parents or grandparents that can help give you some practical skills, some principles that I think will help you even in raising kids, because this is something that the kids face. I don't know about you. Anybody face some bullying when you were growing up? Anybody? If you weren't raising your hand, maybe you're the bully. I don't know. It's, there's a chance, but, but I certainly did, and... Uh, it's hard, man. It's hard when your kids are bullied. Uh, it's really, really, really difficult. Uh, a few days ago, one of our kids got off the bus, and uh, I don't know how it is for you, but we have like a little bit of both. We have the kids that they're a little more quiet and reserved when it comes to something wrong that's going on in their lives, and then we have kids that are just like they want everyone to know. Like they, they, this, and as soon as this one, this child of ours stepped off the bus, they were crying. They were upset. And so Cody started talking to him, what's going on? The kids on the bus are just so mean and they're, they're mean to me and they say horrible, terrible words. And, and, we're, and, and so Cody was like, really? So they're like cussing? And, and, and they were like, no, not really cussing, but they're the worst words ever. Like what? They say stupid and idiot. We're like, yes, those are horrible words for any person to say. And, and you know, so here's the deal. Like when, when one of your kids is facing that, how many of y'all know, like you, hmm, that, that can get something going inside of you that almost nothing will. And when I hear stuff like that, I know the Lord tells us that we're supposed to love our enemies, but I will say I get more creative during those moments about all the ways that I could get back at these people than almost any other time in my life. Like it, it's a little scary just how creative I can be on, on how I would just love to bring the vengeance of the Lord down upon their heads, you know? Uh, but how many of y'all know that's not my job to bring the, vigen- the vengeance of the Lord? And I, I, but I, I do think that there are some ways that we can appropriately deal with those types of dynamics in our life. I, I know for sure, though, that the world is increasingly opposed to Christian values. That is very clear. Uh, when I was growing up, how, I know almost all of us can relate to this. When I was growing up, there were, there were sins that people just didn't talk about. I mean, like if, if they were mentioned, 
everyone would blush. It was like, what did they just say? You know, one of the things that's happened is we've lost the ability to blush as a nation. Like there is just nothing. You're just not surprised about hearing anything these days. I also think that, that Christian values as, are seen almost as the enemy in a lot of places now. The word says that in the last days, it won't be easy being salt and light. It's gonna get difficult. So our text, this is in the life of Christ, is in Matthew chapter five, starting verse 10. It says, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. Now that's a key qualifier, okay? It's for righteousness sake. So, you know, if you're just being a bonehead or if you're just being a if you're being that type of person, then some of the things that are coming against you may just be a result of, of bad behavior uh, and you just not knowing how to win friends and influence people. But it says, for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those when they revile and persecute you. Okay, so that word revile, that's like when people are saying mean, hateful things about you that are not true. You know, a lot of times gossip, there's a little bit of truth in gossip. Maybe some dumb stuff you did that people are talking about that they shouldn't be. But, but this is where, this is, this is persecution, where they are purposely trying to damage your character, damage your name by saying things that are false. And say all kinds of evil against you, falsely for my sake. Rejoice. What? And be exceedingly glad. I don't know about y'all, that's hard. Like when, like when people are coming at me, I'm like, I'm just so exceedingly joyful right now. This is, this is the best thing ever. It just doesn't come that natural for me. For great is your reward in heaven. Oh, so this is the only way you can do this. You can't keep your eyes focused on here. It's gotta be on, the, on heaven, it's gotta be on his kingdom. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So Jesus is saying when, not if. When, not if. As believers, Jesus said that we are to respond to opposition differently than the rest of the world. And that's why when you're on Facebook, you see this huge difference between followers of Jesus and all the, never mind. <laughs> Unfortunately, I don't see a lot of difference sometimes between how believers are responding to opposition and the rest of the world. So how do we respond? Well, we don't react. We don't react because, because someone else shouldn't have power over my actions. And, and I don't have power over theirs. This is the Holy Spirit's job, not mine. We, we certainly don't destroy. Like we can't just go nuclear, but you see some of that. And we don't try to determine someone else's future. In other words, I'm not gonna respond in such a way that I'm really trying to damage 
a person for their future. Now, I, was, I remember many years ago, well, it's probably 10 years ago now, being in Kenya. And I've told a story of one particular refugee that I, that I met, but there was a group of them that had fled from the Sudan. And the reason why they had fled, fled from the Sudan is because the Christians were being persecuted by extreme Muslims. And there was about five or six of them that, that this is, and this is a crazy thing, that the third world nation of Kenya had taken in refugees from the Sudan to take care of these people. And I remember just sitting around hearing their stories. And some of them literally bearing the scars of their persecution. And hearing the stories of them losing loved ones, being, being murdered in front of their eyes because of their faith. I remember, and I remember having these conversations and at one point or another, the conversation would come back to, so what is it like for you as a Christian in your country? And so, I mean, now it's like, well, you know, the other day I got a pretty spicy Facebook message and it really hurt my feelings. And I had to go play some golf just to try to work through it, you know? First world probs. My phone facial recognition doesn't recognize me when I'm wearing a mask. So I have to punch in all six of those digits just to open my phone. Such persecution. I think we need to get some perspective. Jesus tells us not to be surprised when people are mean or pushy or angry or controlling or manipulative, abusive. In John 16, 33, it says, these things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So Jesus says that the world is gonna be rough, but he's overcome everything that the world can throw at us. He's already taken care of it. Jesus also said that when we enter the last days, things are gonna get worse, not better. Second Timothy, this is Paul trying to encourage Timothy. And this is, because Timothy, man, he was being persecuted and he was being looked down on because he was younger and and. And so Paul was just constantly coming, and you gotta understand, like God hasn't given you a spirit of fear, and, but you have to understand these things are gonna happen. It says, but know this, in the last days, perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanders, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, Headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Does any of that sound or look familiar? So modern culture, our civilization has lost its civility. 
that's pretty clear. But the interesting thing is that for the most part, there's a big difference today because most bullying, harassment, it doesn't happen in person anymore. You know, it's the keyboard warriors. <laughs> I'm going to really give it to them this time. <laughs> I mean, I, I kind of miss the days when you just say, all right, I'll meet you in the Piggly Wiggly parking lot. We're going to take care of this. It's going down, <laughs> right? You would just like, and here's the thing, you'd have this like fight or whatever, and then all of a sudden you're best friends with that person. Like, oh God, we worked it out. You know, you're bleeding all over each other. Ah, I kind of miss those days. I don't really personally, because I always got beat up really bad. But, but we're, conflict, man, people don't have a good concept of what it is to do it right. Confrontation. So what, what, are, what are the reasons? These, of these threats and these rumors and, and slander. It's mostly happening through text and social media. It's because someone is trying to exert power over you until you show weakness. Okay, and this can happen for a lot of reasons. It can happen because of your appearance, your abilities, your disabilities, sometimes race, sometimes because of your economic status, sometimes because of your gender. Sometimes because of your accent, <laughs> uh, I was thinking about when I first moved here from Colorado and I was a youth pastor, one of the guys that worked with me, amazing guy, loved people, but he, he was, anybody just have that awkward friend that just every once in a while says something awkward. And so you're just a little nervous all the time when they get around people. Uh, that's a little bit how this guy was. And so... <laughs> We had these two new college students that had showed up and they wanted to help serve in the youth ministry. And so I was helping getting set up. They came right before the service. So I was helping get some things ready for the service. And I saw my leader over there talking to him. I'm like, okay, he loves people. I know he's over there trying to get them plugged in and get them involved in everything. But I walked over kind of towards the, the, the tail end of the conversation and I heard my youth worker ask, say, hey man, that's a really cool accent are you from England or something? And the guy says, no, I have a speech impediment. <laughs> and then my youth worker said, well, it sounds really cool. <laughs> I'm just like, what? But that guy with that speech impediment was one of the best leaders that we had. And you could tell that he had faced that his whole life. But he had confidence about who he was in Christ. And so it didn't shake him. And he and the youth worker wind up being good friends. It's just a little rocky right there at the beginning. We're gonna face these things. So I wanna give you some facts. These are some facts to give you some, some context. There's 150 countries where Christians are severely persecuted every day. 245 million Christians live under severe persecution, discrimination, unlawful arrest, prison, refugee camps, torture, or even martyred. In 2019, 4,136 were killed, people were killed just for being Christians. Just for being Christians. Not, not taking into account people that were caught in war or these people were just killed for their faith. Straight up killed for their faith. North Korea has 70,000 Christians that are thrown in prison or in work camps right now. 
1,266 churches were burned to the ground last year. The most persecuted group on the planet is Christians. From the International Society of Human Rights, 80% of the world's atrocities are aimed at Christians. John 15, 19 says this, remember that the world, remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. They persecuted me, they will persecute you. So I wanna dive into some principles. How do we deal with persecution? First of all, you've gotta know the source behind it all. Like what's really going on? Because when someone says, man, I'm really having a difficult time with my boss, or I'm having a problem with this kid at school or a professor or some sort of city leader or whatever it may be, the truth is there is a spiritual evil force that hates you and wants to destroy you. Now, I wanna, I wanna preface this saying, I don't, I'm not saying that there's a demon under every rock or it's always the devil behind every difficult situation you're going to face, but I do know this, the devil wants to use it because he hates you. He, he wants to get involved. So sometimes people like you for no reason, right? Well, that's the favor of God. That is a favor of God. But sometimes people are just gonna be against you and you've done nothing to warrant it. That'll wind up being a spiritual attack. And you have to understand where that's coming from. There is a force that is behind the source of all of that hate. Well, and some might say, well, but they didn't even know I was a Christian. Satan does. Satan does. And so you're gonna face these things. And, and it'll, when you're walking in step with the Spirit, when you're spending time with the Lord, you'll be able to identify it really quickly. It's hard sometimes, though, in our culture to identify the spiritual wars that are around us. The enemy has become really, really, really proficient at hiding in American Western culture when it comes to his spiritual attacks. It's just not as obvious. You know, when you're on a mission field, when you're on a missions trip, it's like really easy to see when the enemy's coming at you. Uh, I remember one time in Mexico, we were late getting to this village to do ministry. And uh, I was driving down this really rough road and I was pulling a, a little box trailer and I had a blowout on the box trailer. And we're running late and, and I could not pull this trailer any further and I, and, and I didn't have time to put the spare on it. We had to get to the service. And so I was like, don't worry about it. We'll, we're, we're, we'll, we'll leave it here. We'll lock it up. We'll leave it here. We'll come back as soon as service is over and, and we'll get it. And so uh, a couple people hi, hopped out of the van to, to go unhook the trailer. And as soon as they did, they, they, their skin just started burning like they'd gotten into to, to some sort of poisonous weed or whatever. But there, there was grass like this high, but as soon as they jumped out of the van to unhook the trailer so that we could get moving, three or four of them, they just, their whole body started breaking out in hives. And they started, and so, so then I was like, hmm. Seems like somebody doesn't want us to go to this service maybe. And so we just started praying. We just started praying and we, and we did spiritual warfare. We, we had to speak against that attack. We had to identify it out loud by name exactly where this was coming from and we had to pray it down. 
And as soon as we did, as soon as we did, now they could have gotten into some sort of poisonous whatever, but in this case, that rash went away. It went away. And so, how many of y'all would appreciate if a spiritual attack could just be that obvious around you? Well, I just want you to consider this. Because the enemy hates you, why not just assume that he may be involved and just do the work anyway? Whether you know it's from the devil or not, you do know the devil hates you. He comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And so whether or not it is specifically a spiritual attack or not, why don't you just go ahead and do the work of the spiritual warfare? How do you do that? You just start proclaiming the name of Jesus over it. You just start declaring who you belong to and that the enemy doesn't have any place or any authority in that situation. You've got to know where this attack is really coming from. In Ephesians 6, 12, okay, this is for all of us. This is not just for the church in Ephesus. This is for all of us, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. So maybe you should adjust our thinking a little bit to, to this. That bully is not the real problem. The bully is just being used. That boss is not the real problem. That boss is just being used. And start seeing this for what it really is. We are not fighting against human beings. Satan has a toolbox. And one of the tools that he likes using more than anything are people that are not yielded to God. And he'll use them. He'll use them. Number two, never forget who you are. Never forget who you are. This is the most important thing I think I can emphasize this morning. Because if you get this, the first point becomes way more clear and easy to deal with. You are a son or daughter of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. <laughs> when you became a Christian, you sit enthroned with Jesus, with Jesus. He, he loves you. You were created in the image of God and God loves you and God made you for a purpose and he has a plan for your life. Every single one of you, you're a child of God. You've got to remember this. And, and, I, and parents, I want you to listen to me because this is, I think this could be a really teachable moment for you. If you have a kid who is facing persecution or being bullied, or a lot of times we have a tendency to do one of two things. We just, we just want to be practical. We'll go tell your teacher. We will get you in jujitsu and you will learn how to throat punch them. You just need to count to 50 and breathe. I will not get past 10. And also don't just get emotional. Well, I tell you what, look, I'm thankful for mama bears. God has put that in you. But sometimes you go caring on the situation. 
and it just makes things way worse. But sometimes parents need to get in there and step in and do something. But you know what we also need to do and is way more important than the other things? Be spiritual. Be spiritual. Every once in a while, we need to open the Bible and say, this is what God says about you. We need to write some verses down that our kids can read so they can be reminded of their identity in Christ. Never let your child forget who they really are because they are way more than just your child. They're God's. They belong to him. And as much as they love you, how much more confidence are they gonna have that the creator of the universe has their back and not just mama bear? They need to know that. They need to know that. This is one of the things that we do with our kids. Every night and every day before they get out of the car to go to school, we pray over them. We pray purpose. We say, God, we thank you that they are going to grow in favor with their teachers and peers, with God and man. They're going to grow in wisdom and in stature. We thank you, God, that they are called and purposed to do great works for your kingdom. We thank you, God, that no weapon formed against them will ever prosper in the name of Jesus. We thank you, God, that you stand a hedge of protection around their heart, their mind, and their emotions, that they walk in peace and in wisdom in everything that they do. And you know what? They're not always listening. But you know what? Sometimes they do. But you know who is listening? The enemy, and I want to let them know who my kids belong to. Because he hates them. And he wants to get them derailed before they ever really even get a chance to step into their purpose. And I'm not going to have it. I'm not going to have it. You've got to know who you are. If you don't know who you are, you will live under the thumb of someone else trying to exert their power over you and define you. If you look at the Gospel of John, I love this. Jesus makes all these I am statements throughout this whole book. He says, I'm the door, I am the way, I am the bread. In other words, you don't tell me who I am, I know who I am. You don't get to define me. He walks in that kind of gentle confidence. I remember Paul telling Timothy over and over again, don't let anyone look down on you because of your youth, but set an example in every area of your life. 1 John 4, 4, you, dear children, are from God and you have overcome the world. You gotta know you belong to him. Number three, never pay back evil for evil. Romans 12, 17, if someone has done you wrong, never pay back evil for evil. This is a hard verse. This is a hard verse. I have a sense of justice. I don't know if anybody else in the house does. When something bad happens, I want something bad to happen. Back at him, like I want it to happen whether that's me driving on the road, dealing with my road rage, whatever it is. But this is one of those scriptures where it takes maturity, blind obedience. God, I trust you. They're off my hook and they're on yours. And I'm gonna trust you. The reason why is because like I already mentioned, I don't wanna be in the place where I'm trying to define or decide someone's future. 
Because the bottom line is, I shouldn't be where I am in life. It's only because of mercy and grace that I'm able to be where I am. The truth is, everyone looks bad in a fight. You know, none of you are UFC. Like, none of you are, none of you are trained fighters. Have you noticed, like, like, in a physical fight, I have never seen one of those look cool. Like, it always winds up just being a knockdown, drag out, ugly. It's, it's not like two guys standing up. No, it's like hair pulling, scratching, screaming, punching, just, it's ugly. It looks gross. One of our Cajun pastors said it this way, if you get in a wrestling match with a pig, you're both just gonna get muddy and only one of you is gonna enjoy it. The truth is this, you may, you may win that little battle, but you look dumb doing it. And that's in most of the fights that we get ourselves into. You may be just a slightly better keyboard warrior than the other person. And you may feel like, yeah. But guess what? To the rest of the world, your witness as a Christian has been damaged. And you didn't, you didn't. Not, that person on the other end isn't like, oh man, I see the light. Oh man, you've helped me so much. And now because of how well you made me feel like an idiot, I wanna be a Christian like you are. I'm sorry, I'm, I hope you're picking up on the sarcasm, but do you understand what I'm saying? Like, where's your witness? The fight isn't that person, not that person. So there's this great verse in verse 43 of chapter five of Matthew. It says this, you have heard it was said, you shall love your neighbor and, and hate, or yeah, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. So I want you to circle those words, highlight, the, highlight these words. It says love, love, this is action. Just because you're outside of the circle of their love doesn't mean that they're outside the circle of my love. It says bless, watch your words. Don't go back and forth. My hopes for you are going to be different than your hopes for me, and that's okay. I'm just gonna have a whole lot more hope for you. It says, do good. Do good. Look, it is amazing. One of the things that we said... <laughs> I remember Pastor Rick saying this early on in our church. He said, we're just gonna keep loving people till they wanna puke. Like we don't care what people do to us. We're gonna, we are gonna do so much good for people 
that it makes them nauseous because of how spiteful they are and we just keep loving them, that it makes them sick. We can't lose that. And then it says, pray, come to Jesus. God has his perfect will for their life. Get in step with his spirit. So the opposition coming at you, look, it does not compare to the favor that is following you if you let it. David said in the 23rd Psalm, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Man, what a great picture. This is, this is a great way I like to see it. The day you got saved, okay, God sick these two hound dogs after you. Go get them. And, 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 and your whole life since becoming a Christ follower, these two dogs named Mercy, named Grace have been following you. Your goodness is following. So this goodness, it's creative ideas, it's likability, it's energy, it's, it's help from heaven like angels war on your behalf. It's blessing, it's Holy Spirit power. It's all those things. And the other hound dog, if you will, this mercy comes from the Hebrew word hesed, which means God's loyal commitment to me. So every parent, if you raise kids, you know exactly what this is like. You provide for your kids and that's goodness. You clean up after them, that's mercy. And you do that all the time. It feels like that, right? When you're raising kids, it's just always coming behind them. Always coming behind them. <laughs> cleaning something up, cleaning something up. Demonstrating goodness. So for all of you who are or will face some harassment, some opposition, for every young person in here, if you're, you're dealing with a bully in your life, don't, look, don't forget to look behind you. Don't forget, you've got, you've got these two hound dogs. God is sick on you and they will never stop pursuing you. It is his goodness, it is his mercy. No one and nothing can stop you. Let's close our eyes, bow our heads. qualifier is if you have a relationship with him. If your life belongs to him. Not that you're perfect. Not that you figured it all out, but you're in a place where you have submitted your will to the will of your heavenly father. And that in that, you walk out being repentive. You desire to turn towards him. You desire that his kingdom is all that matters to you. And that everything else in this world pales in comparison to pursuing him, experiencing his presence, 
And some of you, you don't have that. And maybe you felt like you did at some point, but you don't right now. And I just want to give you an opportunity to respond to the heart of God as your, as your heavenly father, as your creator. Because he wants you to have his goodness and his mercy pursuing you for the rest of your life. That goodness and mercy started at the cross. It started when he paid the price that you could never pay for your sin, but he paid it. If you're here today and you just, you don't feel like you have any kind of connection or relationship with the Lord, I wanna give you an opportunity to respond to him, to, to, to get that relationship. Nobody's looking around, but if that's you, I'm gonna ask you to be bold. I'm not gonna embarrass you with this, but I just wanna ask you to, to take a physical act of your free will to say, it's me, I need him. If that's you, go ahead and put your hand up right now. As soon as they see your hand, you can put it down. You just say, I'm away from the Lord. I need a relationship with you, thanks. Got it. Anybody else? As soon as I see your hand, you can put it down. Anybody else? Okay, thank you. Thanks for being bold. God's gonna honor that. He loves you so much. He loves you so much. Anybody else? I'm just away from him. I need him. Okay. Father God, I thank you for those couple of hands. Lord, that all of heaven rejoices with those two people right now. Lord, I pray that they would sense how big of a deal the creator of the universe is making about them, making the decision to surrender to you. And if you raise your hand, let's just talk to God. I think it's really important that you go public with this decision. You tell somebody you made the decision to submit your life to Jesus. You can do that through water baptism is a great way to demonstrate it, but, but just, just talk to him and just say, God, here is my life and I know that I'm a sinner and I know my sin separates me from you. But I believe that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for me, that Jesus paid the price for my sin but he didn't stay dead. The reason why I have hope is because he rose from the grave and when he rose from the grave, he defeated all of my sin, past, present and future and I get to walk in victory. But he also defeated death. So the worst thing that could ever happen to me is actually the best thing that could ever happen to me because I have the hope of heaven. And because of that, I can walk in a confidence and a boldness and never let anything hinder me from being everything that you've called me to be. And I wanna step into that. I wanna step into the fullness of everything you've created me to be. And I know I'm gonna make mistakes, but I thank you that your mercy is new every morning, that your goodness pursues me. I surrender to you as my Lord and my Savior. Make me who I'm supposed to be. Father, I thank you for this couple of people that prayed something like that from their heart and sincerity, just 
needing you, wanting to be close to you. Father, I thank you that you prepare your people for through your word, for everything. You equip us with everything we need for life and godliness. And Lord, we know we're living in some crazy times, but, but the truth is our peace, our joy, and our excitement can grow even more, even as it seems that it gets worse and worse because we know that it's pointing towards you and towards your kingdom and towards what really matters. So God, help us to stay in the right fight. God, don't let us withdraw and isolate and become weird Christians that quit loving and ministering and reaching out to people. God, keep us in the middle of the right fights and give us the wisdom and grace to stay out of the wrong ones because we know we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. So God, help us to see the fight for what it really is. We thank you for that. We thank you, God, that you're gonna help us with that. We wanna bring glory to you, Father, and to your name, in Jesus' name, amen.